Today's episode will contain brief descriptions of physical ailments that may make certain people squeamish. Hey, it's Matt LeBlanc here. My cousin Jackie lives in the suburbs on the east side of Cleveland. She's an all-American type girl, super positive, quick to laugh, very social. She cries a lot, not in a depressing way. She's the queen of happy tears. Anyway, in 2004, she was 26. She was planning her wedding with her high school sweetheart, Tom, when she started having some stomach issues. Tom and I were getting ready to get married and I was really not well. I dropped so much weight at that point. She could feel that something wasn't right. She went to the doctor to get checked out. I remember very clearly as all of these doctors and nurses all saying to me, oh, here comes the bride who's skinny and doesn't want to eat anything. We've seen this before. You're stressed out. You're a bride. I had just gotten promoted at work. You're stressed out at work. You're going to be fine. You need to meditate. You need to control this with lavender. You need to get better sleep. You need to, I mean, really, you, you talk about feeding the delusion. That's what was coming at me was like bananas. As it turned out, she could hardly eat a banana, but it was easier to go along with their story. They were the professionals after all. She and Tom got married, but the stomach issues didn't go away. A few months later, she went back to the hospital and, surprise, she was diagnosed with a chronic autoimmune disorder. She had Crohn's disease. Your necessary delusion. Your necessary delusion. Why do you keep lying to yourself? Welcome to the show. Thank you for being here with me, Earth Monster. I'm your host, Matt LeBlanc. Bad news. The smelly cat got sick and had to be put down. I'm just trying to live my life, guys. This is Your Necessary Delusion, the storytelling show that celebrates vulnerability and speaks to the darkest, messiest little parts of your heart about the lies that we tell ourselves every day, the stories that we use to get out of bed, the fantasies that we let propel our lives. And if we are speaking to you, then please do not forget to subscribe to the podcast. Rate us with five stars and leave us a nice review if you like what you hear. It would be very helpful, particularly on Apple iTunes, if you are listening on the Purple Podcast app. So my cousin Jackie wasn't just a panicky bride after all. She had Crohn's disease. It's a serious autoimmune disorder. But I am no expert to be talking about this. Here's Jackie. Crohn's disease is an irritable bowel disorder and all kinds of gnarly stuff happens typically in the belly and the small intestines and it prevents people from being able to eat a lot of normal foods. Most irritable bowel diseases include diarrhea, vomiting, brain fog, having a fever is very common. When you're in a flare, you really cannot eat very much at all. In fact, your tolerance for anything is pretty low, including fluids. It's actually very easy to dehydrate and just become extremely malnourished. There's no known cause for it. There's no known cure for it. And according to the CDC, about 1.3 million people are living with diagnosed Crohn's disease. So as I tell my husband, Tom, I am one in a million. Delusion! And as Jackie will reveal today, there are so many necessary delusions born from physical illness because it is the times that we feel the most hopeless that our unconscious biases begin to fill in the blanks to help us cope. So she and Tom got married. She got diagnosed with Crohn's a few months later. And then something completely unheard of happened. I was able to go from the time I was 26 to the time I was 42 
without medicine. I mean, honestly, that's unheard of in the Crohn's world. You're pretty much managed by medicine. The next 12 years slid by pretty seamlessly. Her stomach remained in relatively good shape, and it allowed her to neglect the true seriousness of her diagnosis. So like any other red-blooded American earth monster, that's exactly what she did. I was dancing in peanut butter. I had no idea. I was like, okay, okay, we're good. We are going to need some more rest. We're going to need some more healthy foods. We're going to need to calm down. We're going to need to meditate. You know, I had no clue what was going on. So at that point, I was just talking about going through the motions. I had no idea. A lot of people would call this ignorance is bliss, but I like Jackie's name for it, dancing in peanut butter. I would actually argue that this mindset is the necessary delusion. Like I said, her belly health stayed relatively good, but she had been diagnosed. At some point, some doctor had explained to her the seriousness of Crohn's disease, and she had the entire internet at her disposal. I'm not blaming her for dancing in peanut butter, guys. I love to dance in peanut butter. I love it too much. I think that's why we're here. But let's be clear. The reason it's called dancing in peanut butter is because... You're having such a good time dancing, you're not paying attention to where you are. I have to get the girls from school. I have to be there by 2.45. Then we come home. I have to do the homework. I have to get them in the bath. I have to make the dinner. We've got to do our bedtime routines. My generation is labeled helicopter parents. I am not a helicopter parent, but I can certainly see the difference between generational lines for sure. Jackie and Tom had two kids, girls, and this is how they mostly enjoyed their dance in the peanut butter. I can attest that they are some of the more passionate parents that I know. Tom manages a popular grocery chain in Northeast Ohio, and Jackie stopped working when the kids came along. The family was the priority. The girls were the priority. The quality time that you get with your kids when they're still young and their world only consists of whatever you show them, this is what they lived for, particularly during the holidays. We're coming into December. I mean, this is the honey, the sweet, thick, good stuff. When you're a mom and you've got two young kids, this is everything right here. December 1st through December 31, it is on. We are talking Christmas trees. Santa's coming to town. There's milk. There's cookies. There's presents. There's, you know, there's all of it, right? And that's exciting stuff. In my book of mom dreams on page like three, is dressing your daughters up in matching dresses for any holiday, doing their hair, doing their nails, telling them how pretty and special they are. Jackie's mom is my dad's sister. So Jackie and Tom bring their girls over to my parents' house for Christmas Eve every year. They're a very cute family. The girls are both very charismatic. They have big personalities. Like I said, Jackie and Tom have been together since they were teenagers. Jackie's the emotionally in-touch, super positive one and emotionally in touch as code for cries easily. And Tom is a sarcastic tall glass of water with a very small filter. What'd you think I was gonna say? <laughs> he likes to joke around a lot and he doesn't always know when to quit. For years in my 20s, Tom thought that I looked like Joaquin Phoenix from the movie Gladiator. I had never seen the movie, but every year on Christmas Eve, we'd be gathered in front of the fast food buffet in my parents' living room, and Tom had come up poking me like, a Joaquin. Joaquin, why don't you go over to Grandma and ask her, am I not merciful? Am I not merciful? Huh? <laughs> and I'd be like, is, is that from the movie? I, don't, I, t I told you I didn't see that movie, Tom. At the end of the night, I'd be like, all right, Merry Christmas, guys. Tom would get real close, and he'd be like, hey, Joaquin, am I not merciful? <laughs> and I would think to myself, no, Tom, you're not. I'm sorry, now I'm celebrating Tom's vulnerability. 
I should stop. I'm making my mom uncomfortable. She's like, Matthew, don't make fun of Tom on the podcast. It's fine, Mom. Tom knows I love him. Just one question, Tom. Am I not merciful? Anyway, the point is Jackie and Tom got busy with life, like we all do. They were working and raising kids. Jackie's Crohn's disease remained pretty minor, and she didn't need medication, so they just kind of didn't think about it. In fact, Jackie got so used to not worrying about her Crohn's disease that that became her story. She would tell herself every time she had a flare. We're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. And I say that as my fingers are crossed. We're going to be fine. And now I'm using my praying hands. We're going to be fine. It is the universal necessary delusion of the human race. We're going to be fine. And sometimes that delusion is very thinly veiled. Because even though I agree, we're going to be fine. The truth is, sometimes we're not. From the outside, Jackie and Tom seem to have it all together. The beautiful, fun, traditional, all-American family with the adorable girls in the matching Christmas dresses. Good gift givers, too. They got me Sean Penn's biography one year. I read it like three times. But I digress. Little did we all know, behind closed doors, they were dancing in peanut butter. So it was 2017, and quite honestly, that entire calendar year, I just was not well. I mean, I I look back and I think at the time, Tom was working all the time, and you're just kind of in the throes of family life and motherhood. You just, you put your people first. That's just kind of the nature of what we do. So I really did not fully understand the depth and the damage that I was doing to myself by avoiding being examined, being looked at, and, and quite honestly, even going to the doctor. So our youngest daughter was about to start kindergarten. That was a huge emotional milestone for all of us. And our older daughter was going to be in third grade. And my headspace was so foggy. I was truly just going through the motions. And now that I can look back at it, I can see all of the, the time that I just was just putting one foot in front of the other. And it was terrible. I would go to family functions or I would go to like you know, Mother's Day events at preschool and things. And it would take every ounce of energy that I had to get there. And then I just had to keep my eye on the prize, which was you can go home pretty soon, you know, and you can retreat. And so that was tricky. I asked Jackie why she needed to go home so quickly. And I felt stupid when she gave me the answer. At the time, she was using the bathroom 22 to 30 times a day. A day. Not uncommon for a person with Crohn's disease. But I guess it was okay because she had her delusion. We're gonna be fine. Delusion! It was fall of 2017. Tom and I drove to the East Coast, which is something that we do every year. We love going up to Boston and you do an 11 hour car ride and your stomach's fine. You think, okay, I'm turning a corner, I'm good. But things, October, November started getting a little hairy and that was a very emotional time for me because I knew. In fact, that Thanksgiving weekend, we went and picked out our Christmas tree and I was so grateful that I was able to be there. We had to get the first Christmas tree that we saw at the, at the tree farm because I couldn't walk deep into the trees. But I was like, well, that's the one we're getting. It's perfect. Delusion. Put it on the trunk of the car. I got to get back home to the bathroom. You know, so it just was one big, it was like a circle. I, at that point, I was so in deep. I can't tell you where the delusion started and stopped. The whole thing was one delusion. Get that Christmas tree. I got to get out of here. We're in the middle of a farm. I, have no, I don't even know where we are. I don't even know what the zip code is here. Get, we're going home. Jackie can't remember if it was Thanksgiving or the day before Thanksgiving, but regardless, the morning started off rough. I woke up on the bathroom floor. I mean, I was sleeping on the floor with towels as my pillow. Awful. Awful. How do we get to that point, though? How do we get to the point that you're waking up on a bathroom floor? Right. I know. 
really, how do we get there? I, I really think that I thought I could just manage it. I thought I could do this by myself. This feels almost insensitive, but... Delusion! And maybe that's part of a much bigger delusion. For sure. Of just taking on the world, right? Taking on everything. I can manage everything. I got it. On it. I think we can agree waking up on the bathroom floor is severe, and it doesn't happen overnight. As it turns out, Jackie's Crohn's hadn't been as absent as we might have thought. It sounds so ridiculous, okay? This is this is crazy, but this was not uncommon to happen. And so because it was happening with such frequency, we were just, and Tom too, I mean, we just were like, this is what happens. I mean, sleeping on the bathroom floor for a couple of hours a day, that was not uncommon. In fact, as we figured out, the only thing that really made this morning notable was that it was Thanksgiving weekend, and we've already heard what a priority the holidays are to Jackie. So if Thanksgiving was the fantasy, it was getting disrupted by this reality. I remember laying down in my bed and, I mean, hours, probably eight or ten hours, which as a mom, you just don't do that. Even in the nighttime, you don't lay down for ten hours, you know. I remember laying in the bed with all of the blinds drawn, and I was gnawing on a pretzel rod. It took me probably two and a half hours to eat one pretzel rod. And I remember thinking to myself, like, Okay, I need the sodium in here. I need something. And just taking little sips of Gatorade, I wasn't able to have Thanksgiving dinner with my family. My dad has five sisters, and as I said, Jackie's mom is one of them. So calls were going out to everyone that Jackie was in rough shape. It's kind of like the game Telephone, but when you have a big family like we do, it really is like playing Telephone. There were a lot of calls, but not a lot of good information. I remember, I just kept hearing, she's missing dinner, and she's trying to eat this pretzel rod. Stay tuned after the break, but first, here is our delusional guru of manifestation, Reina Amaya, to talk about the times when reality comes knocking before we're ready. So a couple weeks ago, I was riding my bike and I got totally addicted to the speed. I was going down these hills and just really thought I was some professional BMX biker or something. And of course, as I'm coming down this really steep hill, forgetting to brake, I totally sideswipe. I mean, my legs go up in the air. I'm like basically skidding on the side of my head. I was okay, which took about three minutes to figure out after I got off the bike and walked around and said, am I okay, am I okay? <laughs> but the thing is, it made me realize how your necessary delusion will smack you right in the face, whether you're ready for it or not. I wasn't ready to face the fact that like, I'm not that great of a biker where I can up the speed to that level. I think that physical pain with shock value is definitely one of the quickest ways for the brain to process your delusion is a delusion. My delusion not only got interrupted, but it got interrupted instantaneously with no warning at all. And being thrown off of my bike was my smack in the face of my necessary delusion. Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-Z-
If you have love for the show and you want to support us, show us some love on Venmo. Send $1.43 to at your necessary delusion on Venmo. So we last left Jackie in bed gnawing on a pretzel rod, too sick to spend Thanksgiving with her family. And even though she was feeling stuck in her own delusion, this was a wake-up call for a lot of people around her. I have a friend, Anna, who works at a hospital, and she was like, you know what, you are just not good. Like, not only are you not good, you're not getting better. I mean, you are stuck. What, what's going on? And I was like, oh, I'm gonna be fine, I'm gonna be fine. And she said, you know what, I'm gonna check back with you in one week. I'm gonna come to your house. And if you are not better, Jackie, we are going to the emergency room. I'm just gonna drive you there myself. So you have one week. Anna took her kids to school that day. Uh, it was a Thursday and she came to my house. She said, Jackie, you better pack a bag because you're not going home. And we got a giant blue duffel bag and I don't even know what Anna put in there because guess what? When you're so sick, you don't even look through the bag, right? So we got dressed. She had to get me in the car. She had to buckle my seatbelt. I was not able to bend over. I was not able to put my own shoes on. I couldn't dress myself. I couldn't do anything on my own. So Anna takes me to the emergency room and Anna does all the talking for me because at this point I'm so sick that I'm not even able to verbalize. I'm not even able to tell people, these nurses, what's happening. I'm not even able to get the words out. I'm so weak and so malnourished. You can imagine sleeping on the bathroom floor does not do well for your energy levels, let alone not being able to eat anything. The doctors sprung into action. They had sent me for a CT scan right away. It's like an x-ray and it, it has the ability to go through several layers unlike a regular x-ray machine and they can also identify very quickly what's happening. So they take me back into the little emergency dorm room, right? So it's just me and Anna and this doctor and he comes back and he says, Jackie, how are you even functioning right now? You have a perforated colon. You have a five and a half inch abscess on your pubic bone. Jackie, you have a 101 fever. Your resting heart rate is 127. How are you doing this? What are you doing? And I said, I mean, this is painful to say because this is a huge delusion. I looked at the doctor and I said, at least it's not colon cancer. And Anna was like, Jackie. And she just started crying and she said, some of the sickest people in this hospital have perfed colon. So perforated colon means my colon had been so used and worn out that it had holes all in it, which meant that all of my waste was going through my body. This is the delusional illness of overly positive people. People like Jackie and I, we are looking for that bright side. We're searching for it. And when the news is really bad sometimes, we don't need much to decide that we found it. Come on, what do you got for me? You got something? You got a glimmer? You got a glimmer of hope? That's a slippery slope. Sunshine. That's how that goes. Perforated colon. So you're basically saying I'm on vacation. Delusion. It was just her one last feeble attempt at a bright side before the giant wave of reality crashed in. Saying, you know, at least it's not colon cancer, that's one of the low points of this experience. 
How quickly did reality hit after that statement? A qu- I, moments, moments after. Now I had strangers hearing what was going on. Now I was not near my house. I knew I wasn't going to go home. Tom wasn't there. That was a really bad time. That was the, the start of a, a 20 consecutive day hospital stay for me. Why was it, Anna, that took you to the hospital? I felt awkward asking this question, but it seemed like a striking inconsistency. Tom is a present guy. He is a passionate, responsible, thoughtful husband. I look at him as the kind of guy who sets a standard. And he's a talker. He's always checking in. So what happened there? We were so in it. I think that he was in the peanut butter with me. This rings so true to me. We're going to be okay wasn't her necessary delusion. It was theirs. We write these stories together. Tom trusts me a lot. I trust him a lot. So if I tell him, I'm, I'm good. I got this. I'm going to turn a corner really soon. He's going to believe me. I personally thought she sounded pretty persuasive just then. Listen to her again. I'm, I'm good. I got this. I'm going to turn a corner really soon. (laughs) Sorry, Jackie, too much. But this is why it is so important to fight for awareness of our own delusions. She wasn't lying to him. She was lying to herself. The greater the stakes, the greater the delusion. The more incentive you have to believe it. My mom and Tom both came to the hospital and realized what was happening and was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, this is really bad. This is really bad. In fact, the doctors told us all that I was functioning at 10% that day. That's a striking statement to hear. You're functioning at 10%. So then they moved me to the room and I have this abscess that I had to go get a drain put in that day. I mean, once you go for a workup in the emergency room, things are now, I'm no longer on my bathroom floor. I'm everywhere in the hospital. There was a, a lot of action that day, very fast paced. My mom and Tom were there, and honestly, they, we weren't even together because I was going to a host of specialists at that point. Going on that hospital bed and, you know, just being wheeled around and being so, so um, scared. Scared. Who's going to get the girls from school? Like, if I'm here and Tom's here, now what's going to happen with them? I mean, I didn't even know what a perforated colon was. I didn't know. I knew I felt like garbage. But I didn't even know what was happening. Right around dinner time that day, they did give me some pain meds. They put it in through an IV. And around the clock, I mean, just juiced me up with Dilaudid, which is like big time pain medicine. It's actually a brain drug. So there were, there were no tears. I was just kind of zoned out from that point on for 20 days. Jackie says this began 20 days of no delusions. Not much of anything, actually. There were no fantasies. There was just a lot of allotted. They gave that to me every couple of hours for the next 20 days. I was so drugged out that I didn't have any type of reaction. People were kind of coming in and seeing me in the hospital. 20 days of not eating. I had all my food in an IV. And people would be like, oh my gosh, Jackie. And they would just start crying. And people were praying over me. And the priest was coming in. And I just sat there. I mean, I'm a crier. I'm a crier. I'm a crier. And I, I didn't even cry. You didn't cry. Nope. Wow, that nope. that to me really just speaks to the power of the painkillers because <laughs> That's right. your your emotional life is living right at the surface. <laughs> You're just one of those people, right? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I cry happy tears. I cry scared tears. I cry 
sad tear. I mean, I'm just a crier. You're like Bubba from Forrest Gump <laughs> with uh, shrimp. Morning tears. That's nighttime right. tears. You know what? That's the first time I've been compared to Bubba, but yeah, I just was taking it on the chin. So we've got two young girls. How old are they at this point? Kindergarten and third grade. I missed our youngest daughter's birthday. I missed Christmas. Awful. Awful. Yeah, I remember that. She missed Christmas. I took, I think, maybe one or two showers in that 20 days. They came and bathed me. That was humbling. I mean, even though you're not crying going through this or really even talking that much, you're kind of aware of what's going on. But boy, I remember thinking, oh man, everything, really, everything I was avoiding is now right in my lap because of my avoidance, because of my lack of information. I, I wasn't blaming myself. This was cause and effect because I had not acted sooner. I was now here because I had not acted sooner. I was missing my daughter's birthday. I did not buy them Christmas dresses that year. I did not, I, I, I had zero birthday presents that year. I had nothing for them, you know? And again, that was, that was really, really hard. Seeing them on Christmas morning was, that was, that was tough. Tom got them all dressed up. One of my friends, Meredith had gotten dresses for them, beautiful dresses with red roses on them. Tom knew that that was something special that I had done and that was important to all of us. So he had taken them to a local salon in town and they, they got the girls ready. They did their nails and their hair, but I'm telling you what, not to do that on Christmas. That was really, really tough. But when they came in, they were really, even though I had IVs everywhere, I was skinny. I was greasy. They didn't even care. They were so excited to give me presents. This experience woke the kids up from their own delusions. The delusion that their parents had everything under control. We send our girls to this really wonderful school, and a lot of the the moms have really become like family. We love these families, we love these students, and and they they also love us, and they love on our girls big time. Our younger daughter was turning six in December, and uh, a mom came into her classroom to read a story. Another mom made twenty two treats to pass out to the classmates. My friend Meredith, who came over with those dresses for Christmas with the beautiful roses on them, apparently came to the house with a birthday cake with, you know, more gifts than could fit on our dining room table. Um, you know, people really showed up for us. And, you know, my whole thing this whole time from November through December was, I got this. I can do it. I got it. I got it. I'm, I'm going to be fine. And our girls are seeing we don't have it all. We do need people. And when we can be the givers, we will be. And when we have to be the takers, we receive with grace. And that's how they're growing up. So there's fruit in this all day long through their eyes. They know I don't have it all. Like mom, I got this. I got this. No, they, they know better. Needless to say, this little family was in a major state of crisis. Gosh, it was probably day 16 or 17. I was up vomiting all night and the doctors came in the next morning and they said, hey, you know what? You're going to have to have your gallbladder out. I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's cool. And then they said, you know what? When we're in there taking your gallbladder out, we're going to go in with a microscope and we're going to check out your intestines. We're going to kind of take away some of the bad spots. I said, okay, that's fine. So that's surgery. Okay. He came in at like 530 at night. I mean, at the end of his day, okay, when is this surgery going to be? It's going to be tomorrow. So that was going to be on my daughter's birthday. Fine. Okay. I think we all have an idea of what an ostomy bag is. An ostomy bag is uh, something that you wear on the outside of your body. 
and I collect some form of waste. There's three different types of ostomy bags. I know a lot about them now because I woke up from that surgery with an ostomy bag and I did not know going in that that was going to be a thing. So that's that, you know, zero delusions. There was nothing except reality staring me in the face when I woke up from surgery with an ostomy bag. Any delusion that I had up until that point, maybe I'll be discharged tomorrow. Oh, maybe I'll eat tomorrow, you know, real food. Oh, maybe I'll, you know, oh, all gone. All gone when you wake up with a bag. There's no hiding. There's nowhere to go. There's no bathroom floor. There's no towels. There's no pretzels. You've got a bag on and that's it. You want to talk about avoiding everything. I mean, I thought ostomy bags were for people with a cancer diagnosis, older gentlemen. I mean, I had no idea. And here I was. At the time, I was 39, almost 40, with a bag. The ostomy bag was obviously a rough reality to take. I mean, I think she said it really well. But unfortunately, it was not the only rough reality born from that surgery. When you are that sick, you cannot go through that type of surgery. He, he was not able to go through with a camera. He, he had to cut my midline. And so talk about a delusion. This surgeon who's much smarter than I am wanted to get me home, hoping that a surgery would kind of launch me or propel me into wellness and, and just kind of a better spot. But yeah, so that incision up my midline a couple of days after surgery split open and remained open for about 14 months. An open wound that would not heal from the top of her belly button down to her pubic bone. It was three inches wide, roughly larger than the size of a computer mouse. Between the wound and her ostomy bag, her reality was literally sitting in her lap. So I come home and, you know, you think, I can't wait to go home. I've been here for 20 days. Well, I actually wasn't even that excited because I was like, oh man, I've just been on pain pills for 20 days. Now I got to really feel the burn here. I'm not looking forward to going home. I'm excited to see my people, but I'm not excited to go home. I remember coming up through the garage door stairs. There's two of them. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't even shuffle my feet. I mean, I've been in a bed for 20 days. This is crazy. I got in the shower with assistance. Ostomy bags are water repellent. They're actually extremely durable. But for me, with my fresh boo-boo tape and everything else, I would actually tape the blue grocery plastic bags. I would tape them on my stomach. They call it like a window pane. My incision wound couldn't get wet. I was so weak. I, I honestly just barely got enough shampoo in my hair. I was not able to really walk. My my directions from my doctor in the in the beginning were to walk around the dining room table one time per day. That was all I could do. And were you able to do that? Barely. I couldn't wait to get back to the couch. Jackie ended up marooned on her couch with her ostomy bag, waiting for her wound to heal for 12 months. I would wake up to my girls coming downstairs, and Tom would come downstairs and make them breakfast, and they would wake up mommy on the couch. And they would bring their hair ties, and I would do their hair. My legs never touched the floor. I would help them with their homework on the couch. They would get picked up in the morning or Tom would take them to school. And then I would have the whole day of quiet time to myself. My nurse would come around nine o'clock in the morning and she'd come for an hour, three days a week. Here's this woman who just walks into the house, takes care of everything on my body, shows me how to do it, pushes me through this crazy pain. But I would have a lot of free time to think, a lot of free time. I'm assuming you're watching TV, maybe you're reading, you're on the internet, or what were you doing? No. No? No. 
I really wasn't watching TV. I really wasn't reading anything. I had zero attention span. I was in a lot of pain. I was in denial that my stomach had a bag on it. I was trying to understand how I was going to heal and how how I could jump back into a normal life. People would say, Jackie, you should take an online class. Jackie, you should learn how to knit. Jackie, you should. No, I didn't. I didn't have the attention span for it. I can't explain it. I listened to a lot of music. That's what I did. I listened to a lot of music. In fact, Sam Smith was, I didn't even know of Sam Smith, but I'd play it on the Alexa and Sam Smith would play on repeat all day long, all day for that whole time. People were coming in all the time. They were bringing us meals. They were bringing me clothes. I was so skinny at this point. I didn't have anything to wear. They were bringing me robes and candles and soap and anything to kind of get us back into normal. There was a lot going on and nothing going on at the same time, you know, if that makes any sense at all. This time on the couch, I slammed the brakes on my life. Tom is still going at full speed, managing his work, managing my health, my doctor's appointments, the girls. I mean, things really, really changed for him too. I have my wounds and I had my bag and I had everything, but he has an invisible wheelchair. He was really going through a lot and managing a lot, dancing in his own peanut butter. It's very emotional for me to think about. I can talk to you about my experiences now with very few tears, But to think about how this impacted him, it's a lot. Well, and thank God that you have the kind of husband who can step up like that and take on the bigger thing. Because I think that what you're talking about is the kind of thing that can truly break families. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Tom and I, we've never lived our vows more than we have. And I know it might sound trite in sickness and in health, but we put the girls to bed and then we come downstairs and take my bandage off and kind of look at the progress each day of the wound and it's not getting better. And we just kind of lock eyes like, oh man, okay. All right. Let's just do what we need to do right this very minute. Let's just, we'll clean up the wound. You kind of learn to be in the moment together instead of thinking, what are we going to do next? Or what's our next step? What's our next house? What's our next meal? What's our next, you know, that part of our lives really just kind of demanded our full presence. And that's, that's what happened. No fantasy for what was going to happen tomorrow, just the reality of an open wound. It wasn't healing, it wasn't healing, it wasn't healing, because think about if you cut your hand, it takes a little bit longer to heal, it's because you're not healthy enough to make new skin. You're not well enough to make new skin. And so everyone kept saying it's going to heal from the inside out, but I wasn't well enough. I wasn't healthy enough to get to that point. So every night, she and Tom would change her dressings and check her progress. We'd peel back the wound and we'd have to clean it with either saline spray or like salt water. So just imagine like a paper cut and how that feels when you wash your hands. Imagine a belly wound the size of your computer mouse and you have to spray it with salt water. So I like put pillows over my face because it hurts so badly. I peel the tape very gingerly, very carefully, peel the tape down on my stomach away from the bag. And we would be like, oh, yep, this looks like Swedish fish. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, this is graphic. I don't even know if you want this material. It looked like Swedish fish. So to this day, guess what's not in this house? I can't even I can't even look at them. I can't even look at them. Tom's a good partner for this type of activity. He jokes a lot. He keeps it light. Tom makes me laugh like no other person. I mean, just dumb jokes, right? But they bring me to belly laughing all the time. And I was at this point in my life where belly laughing hurt. So I'd have to cover my own mouth to like stifle my laughs because I would just be like, what is even happening right now? But Tom and I, we laugh together. Tom and I pray together. 
he would change my wounds. But if I ever thought I loved him, I, I never loved him as much as I do now, but I've never loved him as much as I did when I was changing those belly wounds. And he was just right there. Oh, and by the way, he's like so squeamish. Like he can't even look at blood and guts. He has a reaction when he sees this stuff. And here it is right in his face on his wife. The routine of sitting together on the couch every night and checking the progress of her wound. What do you even say to each other? Jackie wasn't healing. If it were me, I would be searching for a story to tell, searching for a new plan of action, searching for a cozy little delusion to use to move on with the night. We'd high five. He'd be like, great job. You're doing awesome. You know, I mean, he'd kiss my head just like a parent would kiss a child on the head. And he'd be like, you're doing great. Keep, keep doing this. You're doing exactly what you need to do. So we'd have these plastic bags and he would take the old debris, he would, the old bandage, and he would put it in the bag and he'd clean everything up and then he'd take it over to the trash and he'd take it outside. And he is a huge part of my healing. Night after night, so many bandages. I was not able to sleep upstairs with Tom. So just imagine your life, wherever you are today, right now in your whole life, and just withdraw and sit on the couch for a year. It's not impossible to imagine after a year of this pandemic, but it makes me grateful for my health. Going back to that image of me walking on a path and there being many obstacles that just kind of came up, there were blessings that were coming in from the sides. It took me that year on the couch to really fully understand why and how I have made so many of the decisions that I have in the past, like avoiding going to the doctor. And really just helped me to understand my old mindset and just kind of launched me into my new mindset. What did you come to understand about your old mindset? I would avoid a lot of things that I didn't want to do. <laughs> it doesn't sound, it's not too complicated of a, of, of a topic, right? You don't do what doesn't feel right. I didn't want to be scared and go to scary doctor's appointments. Boom, I didn't. And it landed me here. I mean, it's, it's you know, um, but the delusion of you're going to go home from the hospital and you're going to get better every day. No, didn't happen. I come from a very long line of positive thinkers. And we look at those obstacles and we almost overlook them to see those blessings that are coming in from the sides. That's kind of my superpower, right? That I've learned from our fa my family members. It was sort of eye-opening to hear her say that. This is how I am. It is actually this habit that directly led me to this idea of my necessary delusion and inspired me to make this podcast. Because it does feel like a superpower. It feels like the thing that has driven my whole incredible life. And at the same time, it is my number one shortcoming. It is the thing that has been the cause of so many missteps, so many missed opportunities. One of my biggest things that I learned is my good days are not based on my productivity. How are you? I'm great. I got a lot done today. I didn't get anything done today. I couldn't open my Gatorade bottles. I couldn't open my own windows. I couldn't brush my teeth. I got nothing done today. But I had a great day because I truly understand that in order to fully feel that joy, like fully feel that joy... I had to slow down. I had to actually slam the brakes on and stop. After 12 long months on the couch watching life happen around her, of not watching TV and listening to Sam Smith playing in the background, she only had one tired delusion left to hang on to. It's going to get better. And eventually it did. She healed. My belly is feeling, you know, pretty well. I'm probably about 85 to 90 percent. 
which is a huge victory. I feel like I do a victory lap every day because I get to do all the things that I want to do. I get to eat the foods that I'd like to eat. I do not have any dietary restrictions. I can drive my own car. I can take my own showers. I can jump on a trampoline. I can get on an airplane. I can walk 18,000 steps at Disney. I can do whatever it is that I'd like to do. I can learn something new. I can sit up at a table and talk on a podcast. I have a true appreciation for everything. The whole family took a lot of good away from this experience. It changed all of them. Our disposal backed up and I came downstairs in the kitchen and we had like an inch of water everywhere. We had to get all, all new flooring. <laughs> no problem. Are you kidding me? No, we got this. You know, and that's the, by the way, P.S. Not a delusion. Nothing's a big deal anymore. I asked her for the biggest lessons that she had learned from this. She said that question deserves some more thought, but here are a couple of nuggets that she spit off the cuff. The first thing that's coming off of my tongue is, again, trite but true, don't sweat the small stuff. Avoidance equals anxiety, guys. It's put into focus the type of mother that she is, too. It's adjusted the message that she sends to her kids. We celebrate by using what we have, and that means walking without complaining. And I, I don't want to hear the groans and the moans that might come from a, a middle schooler's mouth about walking from here to there. They really have a beautiful awareness of the gift of health and what that means. They're scared to go off the diving board sometimes. And I'm like, hey, you've got a set of lungs. You've got great legs. Jump off that board. You can pop back up. You were not born to stand on the wall. You were not born to stand on the wall. Thank you for being here, Earth Monster. If you are finding yourself connecting with the show, then please rate us with five stars and leave us a nice review on Apple iTunes. That's the Purple Podcast app. That would really help us out a lot. We've got great stories coming every Monday for you. You're definitely not going to want to miss next week for a story that I am calling Mormon Curiosity. You're right. It was an extreme thing to do. I get, Maybe I was just in a bad place in life. They were like early 20s, clean cut guys with white shirts and a tie. They're like so smiley and whitewashed. I thought it was creepy, but then they were so passionate about it. I, I felt like they really believed what they were saying. There are all sorts of ways that you can support us. Show us some love on Venmo at Your Necessary Delusion. You can literally send us $1.43 or whatever you want to give us is appreciated. I want to thank my cousin Jackie for sharing her story and for being so transparent with us today. Avoidance is a symptom of your delusion, Earth Monster. You were not born to stand on a wall. If you have a necessary delusion of your own and you would like to share it, then please email me at yournecessarydelusion at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at yesmatthew, where I post daily delusional content and updates. We'll see you next week. we tell ourselves a series of stories or, or things to get us through the day, but then we can also have a physical response. You can go into a, a doctor's appointment and you're like, hi, I'm great. I'm feeling so much better. Thank you. And oh, wow, your blood pressure is crazy. What's up with this heart rate? You're just sitting here. My favorite is when I leave a puddle of back sweat. On the, you know, I mean, I'm sweating and I'm like, I'm fine. I'm, to I'm totally calm and comfortable. I'm good. And by the way, what a great reminder that our bodies keep score. Our bodies keep score.